Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Mari podcast session where we are looking at investing and learning so many things today. And thank you for joining us on this day. We do not take for granted your coming here. You could have been doing so many other things. Sorry, I thought I'd switched on my video. You could have been doing so many other things, but you chose to spend this time with us and we hope that it will be worthwhile. And without further ado, before I hand over to, to Runya, I'll just ask Kudzai to just do some bit of housekeeping in terms of just uh, setting out as a, there was a poll that we want to share and please participate in responding to this poll because it will go a long way in just setting the stage for what we're going to be talking about today. Kudzi, over to you. Uh, thank you very much, Tatenda. I'm also going to be faceless and uh, just a voice. The podcast is a voice after all, I think mostly. So thank you very much for attending. I'm very going, uh, very, just going to take the next five minutes to ask you to uh, just participate in the poll that I'm running. So even if you are using a mobile device, you should be able to see this. Uh, three quick questions. We should take one or two minutes and we will be okay. So the poll is already there. Tatenda, please confirm you can see it. Yes, I can see it. Okay, so if uh, Tatenda can see, that means you can. Please kindly take time and begin to vote. So far, it's telling me that no one uh, has voted. Okay, now attendees are now viewing. Thank you. Only three questions. Question number one. Have you ever invested in the JSE? The answer is yes, no, or sort of. Where are you connecting from? Love to hear where you're connecting from. And then, of course, that will help us also when we pitch our questions uh, and also, you know, uh, just arrange ourselves together and also for future things. Did you bring money for our guest, please? You know that our culture here is we do not charge you a single cent for this very, very valuable content. But not zero after this, but not zero. And we will ask you uh, just to gift our speaker with either eco cash or rand uh, or other things. I think there are different uh, responses there. It's good to see that 54% of people have voted 57, 59 now. Well done, well done, very good. I think we're doing better than most uh, electoral commissions in Africa. Do I see 68, 70% have voted? You guys are phenomenal. Please do the same in the next elections in your respective countries. We're at 74 now. Thank you very much. Um, we only have two more minutes, so I like the pace we are moving at. 76% have voted now. Let's keep going on. Let's keep voting. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to those that are voting. Let's keep bringing keep bring those. As soon as we get to about 80, 85, I think that's decent enough. Um, that's decent enough for us to wear almost 80. Maybe let's get to 85. Please be sure to submit as soon as you are done, and I will obviously share the results. We're at 83% now, we're doing very well. Now, 84. Can I ask those who are 85 now? Love to keep this maybe a few more seconds. 
more seconds and uh, I think the majority would have voted. Some of you have never voted your whole life. Here, yeah, we don't care whether you're registered or not. You vote. We allow you to vote, all right? Please go ahead and do that. And uh, we also remind you to mute yourselves. In fact, what we'll do now is let me mute everyone and then we'll only unmute the speaker. So I will ask uh, Tatenda and Minyararo when you do speak to uh, just then kindly unmute yourselves. Um, I've muted everyone else. And please just remember to mute yourselves. We'll have a much, much better experience if there is no background noise. All right, fantastic. So let me quickly end the poll and share the results. Uh, 87% have voted. I hope that you can. No, no, you can't. Let me share those results. So here are our results. How many of you have invested in the GSE? I see 4% are saying yes which is good, a bit of experience would be nice. Uh, but the majority of us are saying no. And of course, a small number says sort of through easy equity. So Runyararo, your work is cut out for you. Great to see that the people who are here are definitely people who want to learn. Where are we connecting from? Congratulations to Zimbabwe for the popular vote at 73%. Uh, we also anticipated that some of our colleagues from South Africa are joining us, which is great. The rest of Africa, I know North America is probably largely asleep. Great to see a few people from Asia, Australia, and Europe. We welcome you. Please continue to send remittances. We appreciate everything that you do for us. And uh, someone is asking, how do I get permission to record? You are not granted permission to record. We are recording, and we will share through our usual channels a recording of this as soon as we are, are done editing it. And then last but not least, this is the most important question for the day. Did you bring drink money for our guest, please? And I'm glad to see that some have EcoCash. We will share with you. We will share with you towards the end. Uh, uh, probably as soon as Nyararo is done, I'll allow you, I think Tatenda will point back to me and you will be able to uh, share the number with you as well as those attend SA. If you want to send money in Rand, you can do that. So it's good to see that. Then Pane Matanzi, Pane Mombe, Nembu, Zidrukumusha, Dova, Tsotio, Wanusumka, Mchatu. Pane Mombe, Mombe, Atia, Zotina. Tinembu, Zia, Zotina. But nevertheless, Eva, Mkomar, Nyararo, Wane, Danga, Kuno, Saka, Munotina, Zakananga, Kwandiri, Ndova, Chengete. Then of course, the majority is saying, I am actual. It's not too late. In the next hour, please shake those eco-cashes, please shake those rent accounts and be ready just to uh, pay what you want so that we buy our guest who is charging us absolutely nothing, a gift. So I'm going to stop sharing results now and immediately cross over uh, to our host, um, uh, Tatenda. I see one or two people inboxing me to ask, is he single? Unfortunately, he's happily married uh, with two sons. So no, that beard gang guy is not available. Uh, but over to you, Tatenda, to take us on. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you, Kudzia. As, as my as my sister, for a moment there, I thought you wanted to get some some cows for those who've inboxed you, but uh, you can tell them they can divert those funds to other other uses and invest on the JSE as we're going to be taught today. So, without taking too much too much time, I would like to in, introduce our speaker for today. So Runyara Romero-Kumbe is a full-time accountant based in Jovek in South Africa. He was born and raised in Zengeza, in Chichungiza, and he's an investor on the JSE, Johannesburg Stock Exchange, and the New York Stock Exchange, or NYSE. He has a company that is called Savannah Investment Group, whose aim is to carve a niche in disruptive financial services, innovation technology, and human development. 
he believes that through investing, we are able to create a foundation for innovative projects that will trickle into uplifting communities. His goal in investing is not just to make money, but to also create a community that will work along the same model as Kickstarter, which is in the USA, which some of you might be um, familiar with. He is a technology enthusiast and he uses his free time to write business plans, which lean more towards technology as a way of reducing manual labor in, in the African context. And when he's not working through spreadsheets or stock charts, he spends his time playing chase online. So for those who are up for, um, for a game, you can link up with him sometime later on. We don't taking too much of Lunar's time. I'll hand over to you and you can proceed from here. Thanks, Runya. Thank you, Tatenda. And thank you to the audience who have come to tune in. It's always great to have people who are willing to be able to change their lives. Because I believe if we can change the life of two people, we are moving towards changing the life of the many people on the continent. So yes, like what Tatenda has said, I'm a chess enthusiast. So maybe amongst the people, there might be some who enjoy playing chess, but I'm not a grandmaster though. So if you're a grandmaster, you can maybe consider yourself playing with someone who is a medium to, to a novice. So the reason we are here today is to do with investing, particularly on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Now, the reason why you would need to find yourself in, in the investment space. We are living in times that are different compared to how our fathers lived and how our mothers were raised. We are very much in a different dispensation. I'm sure anyone who has tried to, to copy or mirror the life of their parents would realize that they probably have less houses less savings, and they've got maybe less cars. So most times people look at themselves as failures because they are not able to match. Because ideally, you want to exceed what your parents have done. That way you know that your family is progressing or maybe a whole dynasty that is coming after you has got room to move upwards. But many have failed. Like some of us, we lost maybe a decade where we had money that virtually went to zero. I'm sure anyone who started working in Zimbabwe from the year maybe 98 up to 2010 would have realized that they lost a lot of things, assets, especially savings and investments. We saw pensions going to zero. So we are mostly people who are starting from a negative perspective. In other words, what we tried to build early, it became destroyed and it was lost. So we have to start again. And if the events that caused the destruction of the first cycle are going to repeat themselves, then we are potentially looking at people who will be left with maybe 10 years to retirement, but hence having nothing to show for it. So in other words, we are fast moving towards a welfare state where people are not able to take care of themselves or their siblings. So that's one of the reasons why we must be able to invest. Then you must also look at 
the infrastructure or the life that is around you. You will probably see maybe that there's a lot of dilapidated roads, buildings. Maybe if you come from the rural areas, the the whole stock of maybe goats and cows is actually becoming less and less each time. So you need to be able to replenish or to restore those things as time goes on. If you're not able to, then you know that you are moving from a bit of wealth into maybe extreme poverty. Then there's also the question of what people call black tax, which I like to call appreciation instead of a tax. In the African context, we come from big families. We do not end on the immediate family, but we proceed on to our cousins and cousins' cousins. So whenever someone falls into calamity, we are called upon to help those people. I'm sure many of you have been to a funeral where people say the person who has died did not have a funeral plan. He did not have savings, but we must give him a dignified funeral. So what do you do? You call each other and you say, let's all put something. Maybe each person is asked to put $50 or $100. So now you have to draw from somewhere to put that money in. Where you draw from probably maybe might be your child's school fees or it might be your money for fuel for groceries. So you need to ensure that you can be able to absorb some of those shocks without having to lose yourself. But most times we are living in a, in a life whereby we are consuming everything. Whatever we have is not saved, but actually maybe dead. So we are stuck in a cycle whereby we see our siblings and relatives as enemies more than people that we want to relate to. But if we are able to be investors, we can be able to reach out easily without stretching ourselves and creating maybe conflict in the household. Then the other thing you need to consider is that the world is ever moving. Right now you can hear there's a lot of talk about fourth industrial revolution. The world is moving on to better and faster and easier things. But then when you look at Africa, how have we managed to keep up with this race? Are we able to say we can stand head and shoulders with the Chinese, with the Germans, with the Americans in terms of infrastructure for technology? Unfortunately, we are very far behind. So we are idling towards a position whereby our banks are going to be American banks. Currently, our means of communication is moving from our local mobile providers to Facebook, to WhatsApp, and all those things. So when we look at those things, it actually denotes a transfer of wealth from people in Africa to people in places where they are able to innovate. But now, how do we fix this? We can only fix it if we are able to have something on the side that we can say, this is money that I don't need, which is extra. Where can I put it? Then an idea would come to you to say, I can put this money maybe in a small company that is doing artificial intelligence. If that company succeeds, maybe you'd put in $50,000. Google comes and says, we need the service you are providing. 
we are willing to pay for it. Then you can say, all right, how much are you willing to pay for it? If you paid 21 billion US dollars for WhatsApp, maybe give us 15 billion US dollars for our own product. When you sell that product, now you have moved from 50,000 to 15 billion, which is a great thing. Now you can say you have transformed the life of maybe your whole family or a whole community. But then it doesn't end there. You then move to say, what more can I do with this money? Now you're looking at rivaling maybe someone like Strive Masio to say, I need to put 10,000 orphans through an education. I need to start designing technology to make our people farm easier, to make people take care of their cattle easier. Can we use drones to monitor cattles and stop them from going into people's fields? Can we use maybe maybe research of, uh, of medicine to go into some of the exotic fruits that we have? We might find there's a cure maybe for hypertension, for diabetes. And once you find that you have now stood dead and showed us next to the big pharmaceutical companies. So it's all about thinking big. Even though you start small as an investor, once you are doing it, then you put yourself in a place where you can be able to exponentially gain and then reach a point where you can say, Zimbabwe is now the Switzerland of Africa. South Africa is now the China of Africa because people have managed to put their heads together and started small but built bigger things. So that's the main thought that I want to drive into your mind as you, as you become an investor. So that not only are you going to buy nice cars, but you should think, how do I build a dynasty? How do I build a life that is going to transform another 200,000 people even long after you are gone? So that's that. So let me see if I can share my screen. If you can be able to confirm if you're seeing this screen. Yes, it's, it's visible. Uh, everyone else can either just put a reaction or a message in the chat for us to see if you can view this. Okay, I'm seeing a thumbs up. Okay. Yes, yeah. So watch. this screen that I have is something that I thought about at length, which I called the cycle of money. Mostly our money starts off in a service that we sell, which is mostly our jobs. Now, when you get that money, then you are going to start spending it. Now you have got some fixed costs that you have that are going to take a huge part of the money that you earn. You have got your rent, you have got your transport, you have got your education for your kids. Now, those are the things that usually consume most, if not all of what we earn. Now, as you can see on savings, there's a question mark. This is to say, are you able to save? Now, for most of us, we have not been able to save because what you are earning is going on to pay many other things such that at the end of the month, you still have more days than your money can last. Then you get into a cycle of revolving loans whereby you are 
taking a loan to get to the end of the month, you pay it back, you come back again and you are requesting another loan. So as you can see there, there is a man who is kneeling, he's on his knees. In other words, this depicts the picture of most of the people. Every month and you are on your knees, you are maybe praying to God or you are maybe praying to the gods of karma to say, I've been in this position for a long time. How do I come out of it? Unfortunately for many people, they end up giving up because it's like a red race. Your great-grandfather went through it. Your father went through it. You are now going through it. So it's easy to settle for less and say, this is everyone's life. I cannot expect to do better than everyone. So I might as well just live and continue with my life. But from what you earn, you should be able, against all odds, to say, there is something that I'm going to save. There is something that I'm going to set aside so that I can start building a saving. Because if you are not able to build a saving, then you are not able to start investing. Because for you to be able to think with clarity in terms of where to put money, you need to have extra of that money that is coming through. So now, after you have overcome the hurdle of uh, finding out where to save from, you now need to ask yourself where the money is going to go that you are saving. For many people, they can count to say, I've got a provident fund. I've got an insurance policy. I've got maybe a pension at work. These things, you can count them as something you have built towards your saving. If you are in a place where there is likely risk that the currency is going to lose value, then you're looking at this whole basket of saving as something that is vulnerable to loss. Again, I repeat, those who, who were in Zimbabwe during the mid-2020, 20, 20, from 2000 to about 2008, they can testify that things went south quickly. Many people even today are not able to get pension because they have been paying so much into pension, but they are not able to get anything out. So once you have those savings, for many people, it ends in these things. They can put money in a bank account. They can choose to say, I'm going to maybe join a stock fair where people give each other a bit of money at the end of the month. Then they can say, oh, this month I'm receiving a lump sum. I can buy furniture, I can buy maybe food and all those things. For many people, it ends there. Unfortunately, the wisdom or knowledge about investments is something that is not taught well at school. In other words, you're only taught that a company has got shares. Maybe if you're doing accounting 101, you are you are going to learn about issued share capital and all those things and how to account for it on a, on a balance sheet. It doesn't go deep into say, what happens to that capital? When it grows, what happens to the growth that comes about? For some people, they might be able to know about dividends. This is the money that is paid 
from a company's profits that they would have made. But now when you consider dividends, I always look at dividends as the reward that you get for being a consistent investor. Sometimes maybe over generations or maybe over many years. So for example, you are starting with, let's say, $500. And you buy shares into a company that pays one cent as a dividend. Now that one cent is going to be a very small amount of what you have put in. So for many people, though they understand dividends, they later realize dividends are insignificant in terms of transforming their lives. But once you have a lot of money invested, then you realize your dividends alone can be enough to cover maybe your whole year's uh, expenses for your household. So you need to go beyond earning dividend to look at something that you can earn as which is called capital gains. With capital gains, it's more like, uh, it's as simple as buying and selling tomatoes. If you have got your own market store, you go and you order tomatoes in bulk, maybe let's say for $20. Then you say these tomatoes are 100. If I can sell maybe about three tomatoes for $5 each, then you're going to maybe get $180. Then you say you have made $80 profit. This is the same with capital gains. You buy a share at maybe $1. Then you sell it again at $2. Then you say, I have made a profit of a dollar on each share, which now becomes like 100% profit. So those are the things that you need to be in the markets for. Now, in the markets, usually I tell beginners to say, start with shares. Because with shares, you expect a reasonable move in the price of a given time. Unfortunately, many people start off with uh, forex trading. Now, if I'm to give you an example, if you look closely at forex, you realize that it does not move by a huge amount. So you might hear that oh, the rand has lost a lot today, but that loss would be maybe 0.5%, or maybe it can be an extreme of 1%. So if you put your $1,000 and you're looking to make 1% of that, your 1% is going to be something like $10. Now that amount that you have made, you're going to make it maybe over a week. Now, when you consider the capital and what you are getting out of it, then you realize you are doing more, but that you are getting less out of the system. So now this is where many people fail because you are looking to make a profit that you can live off. But if it's going to move 1% a month, that's $10, which is not even enough to maybe buy bread for a week. So many people now get lured by this thing called leverage. Now leverage is whereby they say, if you put in your thousand dollars onto our platform to trade Forex, then we are going to give you signals to say this one you can buy, this one you can sell. Then you can use those signals to make yourself a profit. 
Now with leverage, it's almost like you are being given a loan against your own money. Now how leverage works is for every maybe a thousand that you put in, they'll give you maybe 10,000. So in other words, you are going to be able to invest using $11,000 from your 1,000. But then there's a catch. You must always maintain your $1,000 within their system. So in other words, if, if the forex that you bought, let's say it's US dollar and euro, if it goes against you, then you are making a loss. Once your loss is maybe 30% or maybe it's uh, 3% of the, of the 10,000 that, that is there in the account, then you realize that you are now remaining with $700 of your money. Then they say you must top up 300 so that your account remains in good standing. If you do not top up and it continues to go against you, then they close your account in what they call a margin call. When your account is closed, then they are you are given what is left of it. Maybe you are left with $500 out of the thousand. Then you now have to start again with 500. You lose again until maybe you get to zero. That's why people say I have blown my account. Now with shares, you would find shares can move an average of maybe 7% within a week. So now if you take 7% of your 1,000, then you realize that you are now making $70, $70 out of your 1,000. With $70, now you are looking at more than what you had in Forex. And with $70, you can maybe buy groceries for a month. Now you are making progress. And psychologically, you feel good because you can see yourself that you are advancing. If you're earning $200, then it means you have an extra maybe 30% with which you can work with into your budget. So this is why I recommend shares because you do not need leverage. And if you're going to need leverage in shares, it will not be a lot unless you are very greedy. So your margin of safety is rather good when you are looking at it from a risk reward perspective. So I always like to use the analogy of the ocean. Now consider yourself maybe as a pool of water. If you are going to be a pool of water found in Zimbabwe or in Johannesburg, then you are very far from the ocean. Or chances are you are going to dry up or evaporate before you reach the ocean. Now, when we look at the world, we can see that financial markets are interlinked or they are connected. So now if you are only investing, for example, on the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange, you are somebody who is like in a dam. Because when we consider the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange as part of the broader market around the world, maybe it's going to be 0.0001%, which is a very small amount. So you are rather someone who is trying to go big in a very small paddle, which often doesn't work. Now, if you look at rain, almost all the water they lead up to the ocean. I always like to, to make an analogy of uh, 
of a saying that was said in uh, in one of the animation movies called Finding Nemo. One of the fish asked uh, the other ones to say, okay, now that we are in a drain, how do we get ourselves to the ocean? Then the other fish replied and said, well, all drains lead to the ocean. So in other words, you need to be that body of water that ends up in the ocean. Now, how do you do that? You need now to trace yourself to say, if you are starting on the ZSE, then you are, need, you are needing to look at the next place that you are going to get into before you get to the ocean. So if, for example, you are a dam, maybe a Mazikade dam in Zimbabwe, you are looking to pour into maybe Lake Kariba, and your Lake Kariba now can be your JSE. When you pour into the JSE, now you are much closer to, to, the, to the edges of the ocean which can now be your world financial markets. So if you are someone who is in Zimbabwe, it is great to start on the ZSE. As many people always say, I want to start on the ZSE, but I usually tell them you're going to find it boring because you can have many months where nothing happens. Then a few months where things sort of move to catch up. So you need to expose yourself closer to the ocean, which we now come to as the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Now, when we compare the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, there's uh, maybe 400 companies that are listed there. You have got resource sectors, you've got financial services sectors, you've got mining sectors, you've got construction sectors. You have a whole broad spectrum of sectors that you can look at. And most times you would want to look at sectors that you're exposed to. Say, for example, you're someone who works for National Foods. Then you can say, oh, I know a lot about, about farming and plant commodities and all those things. Then you can look at food and agriculture companies on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, where you know that I'm going to understand things easily. And I've got a broader picture of where things are going. Now, once you are there, you are in a position where you can buy yourself into the bigger markets. Because if you know, maybe for the past 10 years, Zimbabwe has been tagged as one of the countries where you are going to get what they call illicit financial flows. Illicit financial flows simply means that you are likely going to get money laundered out of the country, moving into the international markets. So when that risk is high, you usually get transactions from a country flagged to say this country cannot do one, two, three things. I'm sure many of you who tried to, to join the Bitcoin mania to say, let me buy some Bitcoin. You would find that most Bitcoin trading platform would tell you, we do not accept money coming from Zimbabwe. Then you are sort of caged in, you cannot go anywhere. The same applies trying to access the UK or the US markets. You are then told, no, we do not accept deposits coming from Zimbabwe. Then what do you do? For most people, you are left with no choice but to stay where you are. But in the environment that we are in, you do not want to remain in the same place. You want to be able to move where the pasture is green.
I'm sure some of you have, uh, have headed cattle and goats before in the rural areas. When you take them to a nice green patch of grass, you will find that they are going to graze as much as possible in a shortest time. Once that grass is closer to the ground, you realize that the head starts moving without anyone telling it to move because they recognize that where we are, it's a drier place. We need to find a place that is more lush with more vegetation, then we can eat again without having to maybe pull the grass that is closer to the ground. The same applies with people. Unfortunately, we do not most times have the vision of a cow. We restrict ourselves to being like a goat that is tied to a log. That goat is going to graze around the place where it is because it is restricted. But as people, we mostly are not restricted, but we restrict ourselves through the knowledge that we have or that we lack. So, for example, if you know that there is going to be exchange rate risk in Zimbabwe, you need to expose yourself to a place where the exchange rate is more stable than where you are. This is where we propose to say, try to get onto the Johannesburg Stock Exchange and start investing there. That way you know that if ever the local currency is devalued, then you are going to know that you have a fallback position. If you look closely, there was a time when people were actually able to get their hands on United States dollars. It was very easy. Everyone was being paid in US dollars. Then there comes a time when the US dollar is now scarce. People are being paid in local currency. It starts off as one is to one is to, to the US dollar. Then it quickly depreciates so much that now you are looking at maybe the local currency going from one is to one to maybe one is to 100. So that's like a loss of 99% of the value that you are able to get. Then people go back to the government and say, we are not able to cope. We need more salary increases and all these things. Then sometimes you get professionals, engineers, architects, notably doctors. You see them on social media. They are mocking their own pay. Recently, someone was saying, oh, who can be expected to live off 20,000 Zimbabwean dollars, which converts maybe to less than $200. But these are people at one point who were earning $1,500. When they earned $1,500, what did they do with that $1,500? If they are able to live on the, on the $200 or $180, how were they not living in a frog away with the with the 1500 that they got and invested the rest because you need to move towards a life where you are not a pain in the back of your employer in other words if an employer says things are hard we can't give you an increase you can always say okay that's fine i know i can make the equivalent of my increase with my investments that are on the side. So don't be found in a place where you've got so much education, but yet you, have, you are helpless as somebody who is 
no education when it comes to building a buffer against calamities. Then once you are on the JSE, you know, you recognize that you can be able to start diversifying broadly. For example, if you bought CESO shares in March of 2020, maybe let's say at, uh, 30 rand per share, and you put in your thousand dollars. Today, that same share is maybe around 200, 210 rand. Then you can say that you have multiplied your money close to 10 times. If you started with a thousand, you are closer to maybe $9,000. Then you can say, now that I have $9,000, where can I put maybe 5,000? Then you now look to jump into the New York Stock Exchange using your start from the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Unlike someone who is now trying to access from Zimbabwe, you now have a track record in South Africa which you can say, I'm an investor in South Africa. I now need exposure to the USA. Then they can say, okay, South Africa is not a country where we have tagged as uh, holding illicit uh, financial flows. We accept your money, we accept your investment. Now you're invested in Johannesburg, you're invested in New York Stock Exchange. In New York, once you make maybe another 50%, maybe you can now say, okay, now, where else can I put my money? Maybe you can put it in a startup. You can put it in a small food business that you can then employ maybe your siblings or maybe your cousins. Or if you want, you can go further and say, the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange is very cheap currently. Can I be able to put in $1,000 in a company like Delta, African Distillers, or maybe Padenga or Cassava Tech? Sure, you can do that. You put in a thousand. Now, the good thing that you need to see is that you have started from JSE, you went to New York, now you're back to Zimbabwe. Now, if you are to go back into history, you are going to see that between 2007 and 2012, the share price of Econet rose by more than 1,500%. We are talking in dollar terms, not in Zimbabwean dollar terms. In 2007 and 2008, you could buy one share of Econet for equivalent of 21 US cents. By the time we got to, to 2012, that same share of Econet moved from 21 US cents to US $3.30 thereabout. So now you can say, I'm in a place called Zimbabwe where life has gone nowhere for the past 20 years. But someone who had put in a thousand in Econet shares in 2008, within a period of about four or five years, they were able to take out more than 10,000 US dollars. Now, this is somebody whose life would have been transformed. Now, if it's somebody who had put in $5,000 and they're going to take 10 times that, then they've got $50,000. Then you wonder how some people are making it in a terrible environment. They have simply managed to find that performance is cyclical in the markets. If the Zimbabwean economy is, is doing terribly, at some point it's going to do well. Like currently you hear talk of 
that there's going to be maybe a government of national unity, there's going to be talks. Once you see that, you should know that there are now seeds of a recovery that are being put in place. If you remember, previously, the shares were very cheap. We had a government of national unity. Then the shares became expensive. Is the same cycle about to repeat itself? If it's about to repeat, then you should be telling yourself, I should be having some Econet or Delta or Avdis shares. But you can do that if you have managed to build a base where you can harvest profits from. So that is why we encourage you to become an, an international player of investments. It's possible that you can be in Zimbabwe sitting in your own house with your laptop. And because you have built a huge enough buffer, you're actually making more money than people who are going to work every day. You wake up and you go and you buy a share on the New York Stock Exchange. End of the day, that share has moved maybe 50%. If you had $5,000, you now have added $2,500 maybe over a month. That $2,500 is enough for your living expenses maybe for the next six to eight months. Now you are doing better than everyone else. Where others are mourning about the dire situation, you're actually in a place where you can say, I know that my sustenance doesn't come from where I am, but I've managed to put nest eggs all around the world. This is what Americans are good at. Americans are invested in almost every market around the world because they have made profit on profit on profit at home. And then they move to the next one to say, where else can I go to be able to invest? Now that you have understood and you have found yourself in the ocean of money, in the ocean of money, you have no limitation because you can take your money where the trend is strongest. Wherever you find a strong trend, you move your money from there, you put it there. So your money is ever in a growth trajectory. And if you can look at the recent trend was in tech stocks, you would find something like Tesla went from maybe $150 to about $750 in a short space of time. If you are in that kind of place, you are now able to acquire things easily because your money is working for you. You are not just working for money. So in the ocean, there is no limitation. Though it can be turbulent at times, you can find these calm waters, you can get sardine runs where you can harvest as much fish as possible without putting a lot of effort in finding them. So now the biggest question that people are faced with is how to invest on the JSE. Now, because of what we talked about regarding illicit financial flows, you would find that businesses in South Africa, especially banks, they are hesitant to say, can we accept money from people in Zimbabwe? What if the financial intelligence center comes and says, this money that you received doesn't have a track record. How did you receive it? Then they end up being fined. But so you need to consider that if you have some form of formal channel with which to channel your finances, you can do that, then use it to repatriate your money and invest in South Africa. Luckily, nowadays, you have got some channels like Mukuru, 
where they accept people sending money abroad. You should take advantage of those channels while they are still open to create a track record, maybe open a Mkuru account in South Africa, send your money there, pack it, use that money to open an investment account, move it from that and you transfer it. Later on, you realize that this track record is going to help you when you want to access the markets in, in USA as an example. The other way is to find a broker because there is a broker called AfriFocus, which is based in Santon Johannesburg. Now these have got people who are working within their system who understand the challenges that are unique to Zimbabweans. So instead of a bank, they will not say, show us proof that you have got a, a swift transaction that is coming from your bank and your bank you have been putting money for the past 12 months. We know many people are trying to avoid the formal system because of the exchange rate risk of losing your money. So AfriFocus usually they have got leniency towards Zimbabweans opening accounts. So you can reach out to them and say, I want to open an account. Can you be able to help me? The other way is to open with guys like Easy Equities. Easy Equities, they do have US dollar denominated accounts whereby you can open an account. But some people have highlighted that they have found it hard to open because they have asked so many things by Easy Equities. So I believe it, it all depends for you can try for some you to work, for some you to not be able to work. But you should be able to try that. Then you can also look at uh, using a proxy. Now there are many Zimbabweans in South Africa. Probably anyone in Zimbabwe has got a, a cousin, has got a, a maybe a sibling who is based in South Africa. Or some who are based maybe as far as UK you can draw up a contract or an agreement with those people to say, can you open an account for me? Maybe it's a bank account with a bank that they do not use for their own banking. Then through that bank, they hand you over the administration, mostly the internet banking aspect of it, and also the banking cards. That way you create now an online banking platform that online banking platform is the one that gives you access to an investing account. Normally what happens is that when you have a bank account, within that bank account, you can open a sub account. That sub account, usually you do not need any more paperwork. You just maybe need to sign an agreement. That sub account now becomes your investing account. So now you have got control of that account you now be able to place buy and sell orders for, for the shares that you want. And besides buying, you can even say, okay, I've made a profit. You only sell, the money comes back into your bank account. You can now create an Mkuru order. Then you send yourself an Mkuru and you pay for it online. The best thing is that almost everything is now online based. You don't have to go and do it manually. You can manage everything online, even if you are afraid that what if somebody tries to sell my shares without me knowing, you would be the one who would be having the logins 
and the authentication information linked to your mobile phone. So they will not be able to do it without you having to give them express permission. So that is one of the avenues that you can look into. We are also researching a method whereby people can invest as a group and creating a vehicle which can be legal where people come together and say, we are forming something like like an investment stock fell. Then people invest within that stock fell and be able to account for each and everyone's input separately. But that is something that needs deep research. And it also something that we are able to say it works once we have reached a threshold of maybe 95% confidence that people are going to make money every time without fail. Now, once you are in South Africa, you need now to know where to invest. The good thing is that we are in a period where people say it's the most unfortunate, it's the most fortunate, but unfortunate time in our generation. Even though we have got COVID-19 pandemic and people are talking about the Great Reset, we are in a unique situation whereby the pandemic has devastated economies. And once economies are devastated at a large scale, now we are talking the whole world economies. Everyone can only come out of this devastation by one way. That is governments have to pump money into economies. So if you look, for example, the Chinese economy would be pumping money into their own economy. How do they do this? They embark on infrastructure projects. So in the next maybe five years, you're going to see there'll be a lot of road construction, road repairs, building of dams, there's going to be building of schools. All these things are going to need resources. And resources is what we have mostly in Africa. We have got gold, we have got rhodium, we've got platinum, we have got a lot of sun, we have got all these things that are converging that money is going to be attracted to us. So if you look at the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the resources sector is going to probably double and triple and triple again in the next five to to maybe seven years. So without, you might be able to invest in JSC ETFs, which are resource linked, or even the broader market. Because when money is flowing in, people are going to buy the quality things first. After the quality, they are going to buy the medium quality until even the low quality shares are going to be bought and will be rising and people can understand why they're going up. It's because money is coming into resource economies more than it is going into economies like USA or maybe Japan. So the JSE is in a place where we say it's an opportunity of a lifetime whereby resource shares are going to go up. People would buy shares and say, I bought it at 20 rand. Now it's 50 rand. That's a lot. Then they will sell it and realize it kept on going until it reached maybe 500 rand. So this is the sweet spot that we are in. For the COVID tiers, you must look to this great opportunity that is in our midst. So the good thing is JSC is divided into different categories. 
So if you go to a website called sharedata.co.za, you realize you can be able to see each sector by sector performance and the shares that are in there. So the website is share as in share, then data.co.za. That's the website you can use. I mostly use it to understand the nature of companies and what is happening in the sectors and which is the best company in the sectors. Now, concerning risk and reward, many people, they say, I remember in 2017, I was telling people to invest in South Africa. I think that time the bond note was one is to one with the dollar. And people are saying, no, but the rand is tanking, South Africa is going down, I might lose my money, and if they lose against the dollar. Now we all know that after 2017 to date, we know what happened with the rand and what happened with the bond note. Hands down, whoever was in the rand has managed to preserve wealth. Whoever stayed in the bond note has lost wealth. There is also political risk to consider that maybe South Africa might say, we want to expropriate our mines, we want to expropriate land. This is a risk that is possible, but usually such risks come about when there's less prosperity in the system. When people are not making a lot of money, then they look to say, I am squeezed, I'm not getting enough for my job, where can I get something? Then people go to politicians and say, can we take back our land? Can we take back our minds? But now because money will be flowing into the emerging economies, people would be able to earn sufficiently so much that they are comfortable. And when they are comfortable, they forget about these things. So there is some political risk that can help the economy. But from a medium term perspective, this risk is lower. But even though once you are in the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, you want to be able to say, if you make maybe 100% of your profit, you take out the initial capital, put it somewhere else. That way you are diversifying. When risk comes, you know that you have invested profit on profit in many vehicles. And by that time, you should also have created an, an, another nest egg on the New York Stock Exchange. So that is that about the investing on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. I think I can hand over to, to you, Tatenda. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Shrunya, for that very informative and insightful walkthrough in terms of the nitty-gritties of investing in general, but also specifically in terms of the South African context. And I'm sure everyone who's been listening in has gotten a nugget or two or more from what you've spoken. So what we're going to do right now, we are going to open up for questions. And the way we're going to do it is, uh, obviously, we're conscious of time. So we will allow for people to unmute and ask questions. But what we request is that when you're asking, please don't give a preamble and a long introduction or anything of that sort. Just go straight to the point and ask your question. For some, if you're 
more comfortable with typing out your question, please do so. There were some people who couldn't join the call because we had reached capacity, so they posted the questions on the WhatsApp groups. And Runya, I think, yeah, you can be able to see I've put some of them in the in the chat box. So uh, starting off, I'm seeing uh, it, it's interesting. I'll call him my very good friend. Let me be, and we are friends on uh, on the WhatsApp group. So it's strange that you speak to people for so long that you become so acquainted, but we've actually never met or spoken. But let me, uh, this is the opportunity for me to engage with you. You can go ahead and ask a question. Linda, <laughs> how are you doing? All right. Um, my, my question is, um, easy equities. What are the modalities of uh, opening an account on easy equities um, given, especially for a Zimbabwean? Like myself, I'm in Zimbabwe, but I would like to open an account with easy equities. Um, what are the modalities and what are the um, kind of questions I should expect or that I should avoid so that I, I manage to open an account? Um, sorry, okay. With so what we do is... Oh, sorry, Runya. Maybe, maybe let's let's just take two more questions, so you just answer in one go, so that okay. we can, yeah. Uh, in any more questions, let me. Your hand is still up. I don't know. Is there anyone? Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else with a question? Prosper NJ, you can ask the question. Uh, you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Good. Good. Good evening, everybody. Um, uh, I just like to know from Unyagaro, um, does Savannah Investments, his company, offer some consultancy services to help uh, Zimbabweans in need of um, opening accounts? That's my question. Thank you. Thank you, and I'll check. So I'll take another question from Samantha. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Um, my question is for, um, like in Zimbabwe, we've got um, accounts, FCA accounts, like uh, with Bank ABC, where you can do your online shopping and all of that. Uh, you can basically pay for your ARCA and everything. Uh, is it possible for you to be able to use that for for your shares? Or you'd or it's still uh, better to go the Mukuru route. Okay, thank you, um, Rutendo. I've noted your your hand. I'll I'll come back to you. I'll just give over to Runya to answer the questions that have been asked. Okay, the first question is to do with easy equities. For easy equities, opening an account is simply going to their website. Then you. You register yourself and you note your maybe residence and everything. Now, the one thing you need to note about easy equities, if you are someone using a passport to open an account, they will allocate to you a US dollar account. So in other words, if you want to buy shares, then your money is going to be converted from US dollar, then maybe to rent, then they buy the shares in rents. 
that's uh, a potential drawback. Then for some people have been told that they are not able to open an account because they are, they are based in Zimbabwe. So I believe this one is where you need to try and, and maybe create an account on their website. Then whenever you hit a snag or you're not able to do it, you can always contact me via Facebook or Twitter or, or even WhatsApp. I think my WhatsApp number is public on my Facebook. Then I can be able to look at it to say, is there a way you can go around it? Or is there a way your account can be converted from being a US dollar account to a RAND account so that you can invest? But the whole process should be done online without you needing to go anywhere. It's only online opening, then you communicate via email for documents, then it's done. Then the second question was to do with whether we offer consultancy. With the SIG, usually what we do, we have an open door policy. If someone comes to us and say, I want to learn how to do these things, which shares should I buy? Usually I have, I have only, I can say one condition, is that you should be willing to put an effort. In other words, if I see somebody who is trying to understand the investment process. Someone who comes and says, I've watched this series of videos on your YouTube. Now I'm able to try and scribble on a chart and I'm not sure what it tells or what it entails. I always welcome people to say, you can ask me to say, I'm planning to buy this. What do you think? Then I can give my views to say, okay, this one, it's at this point in its uh, price structure. Maybe you need to wait here and buy there and sell there. I'm always willing to help with those things for free because I'm someone who is investing so that I have a community of people that I can say we are 5,000 Zimbabweans who can put $10 each towards a cause, which can affect people in the economy in real sense. So if the more community I can build, the better. So I'm always welcoming people to offer these consultants and it's usually for free because what's important is that we get as many of our people to understand these things and participate rather than having few people who are able to make money. It's like uh, there's a story of the lepers in the Bible who went and said, we are going to meet the army that is coming to fight us. If that army decides to kill us, we'll be dead. If they decide to let us be a part of them, then that's it. We can join them rather than stay as lepers being outcasts among our own people. And we know what those lepers did. When they went closer to the other army, they heard a lot of noise and the whole army ran away. They left a lot of riches and gold and everything. Then these lepers said, look, we are now rich. Let's have it all to ourselves. Then they realize, oh, actually this is more than what we need for ourselves. Therefore, let's call others so that they can join in. So this is also what I went through, realizing that, oh, you can actually make, there are many opportunities in this market, more than enough for myself alone, 
So let me call other people so that we can share in this together. So that is the drive that we are at. So that when we all win, then we can come to a point whereby we say, let's change the agricultural landscape of Zimbabwe. Let's put $50,000 there. Let's start in a certain place and see where we end up. So that's why we offer these things for free, despite many people saying, but what's in it for you? What is in it for you is what's in it for us. Because if we were to have 2 million people in Zimbabwe who are invested with 50,000 abroad, then we know we have a community where we can say, let's go and buy this failing company and raise it up again. Let's go and buy the Chichitunguiza municipality, privatize it, put a system that works, put, restore the water reticulation system, restore our dams and roads and everything. That way we are giving our own kids a future they can believe in. So that's why we need as many people doing this and learning how to do it. Then the third question was on those with FCA. If you have a foreign currency account, then that's a good thing. It means you can move money in and out of Zimbabwe without facing the major hurdles other people's face going via SWIFT. So for that, you would not need, you would not need something like Mukuru. You can actually use your FCA account to open a non-resident account with a South African bank because they will know that your money can be traced, therefore cannot be said to be maybe it was laundered. So you need to use your FCA account to access the market outside of Zimbabwe. Thank you, Runya. I'll take another round of questions. So there was Rutendo, Norman, and Derek. I, I see your hand is not down. Do you still have a question? So I'll start with Rutendo, then Norman, and then Derek, if you still have a question. Okay, I'm not seeing Rutendo. In the meantime, Norman, you can go ahead. All right, uh, thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, am I audible? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, my, my question is on the uh, on opening accounts, uh, the different options are available. Um, I think um, there are options like the easy equities, and uh, opening the investment account uh, through uh, the banks in ASA. And I remember, I think I once saw where some uh, comparison was being done and, and uh, easy equities wasn't uh, scoring that much in terms of uh, the stability. But uh, my question is on the, the investment uh, account through a bank. Uh, and uh, there was a restriction that they would uh, restrict you to using their own platform to be uh, buying the, the shares. So my question is, uh, is it a flexible uh, uh, method uh, being restricted to the banking systems as platform? And also, should maybe one wants to venture now into other markets like the New York Stock Exchange? Is the banking platform flexible enough uh, to, to let the, the client access those? Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, Derek, you can go ahead. Uh, okay, Derek looks like he's reconnecting. In the meantime, Runya, uh, let me just, there were some questions that had been sent through on the... Oh, okay, Derek, are you back on? Just wanted to check. Uh, maybe a bit of clarification. Yeah. Um. Uh, the step-to-step -step process for me to say actually I now have a share. Uh, from what I understood, uh, I thought I would identify the shares that I want people on the JSE. Um. Then from there. Um, maybe I get a broker who assists me to buy the shares, or I do it by myself through the processes of account opening. Then I also wanted to check uh, on the minimum balances of shares that I can get. Maybe certain companies would say um, the minimum balance is 10, 10 shares. Uh, so basically, I need uh, clarification on those issues. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. I think Runyal, you can you can go ahead. I, I don't know if Rutendo back. She had he or she. Sorry, I'm, I'm not assume. Had uh, had the hand up. If you are, you can unmute. If not, I'll just straight away hand it back to Runya. You can respond to the questions slash comments that have come up. Uh, sorry, Rick. The first question is asking if a bank platform is good. Well, the banking platform is the, is the best that I usually recommend. Because if you look at South African financial services, it's actually one of the most uh, well-regulated financial ecosystems in the world. So much that when we had the world banking crisis in 2008, South African banks actually were insulated from that. So a banking platform is good, though when you open an account with a bank, it's more like you, are, you have got a one house where you can find many products within. You can find insurance, you can find funeral policy, you can find investing platforms. From experience, I would say the banking platforms are very good because they offer you options usually that you cannot find with maybe platforms like Easy Equity. So for example, if you buy shares on Monday, and sell them on Tuesday. By Friday, your money would have cleared from the sale of the shares. Now, once you transfer it to your own bank account, it's going to go in like you are transferring within your own account. So you're not going to have another two days of waiting for the money to clear. It's going to be like it is cleared instantly. So that reduces the time lag from seven days to about three days between selling the shares and actually being able to have the money to use in your bank account. Then there's also the question of whether banks 
allow access to U.S. markets. Previously, Easy Equity was the best platform to access the U.S. or maybe Australian markets. But now most banks are now having what they call exchange-traded notes. So they can allow you to buy shares in Tesla or shares in Apple or within that banking ecosystem. So you can own those shares without actually having to put money into a U.S. trading account. The only reason why most people choose to go to U.S. platforms directly is that U.S. platforms usually have got zero commissions and they don't have monthly fees. With banks, usually they've got a monthly charge, which is about an average of 90 to 100 rand. This is charged monthly for maintaining your account. Then in terms of minimum, most banks have got a minimum opening amount for a share account of about between 200 and 500 rand. So they say for you to maintain that account, you need to have 500 rand in the account. In terms of buying, even if you have a thousand rand and you want to buy certain shares, they will allow you to buy those shares. But then you must understand that there are usually minimum fees that are charged. So for buying, usually the average minimum is about 120 rand. So you need now to determine whether it's best to put in a thousand rand or maybe gather maybe 6,000. Then when you buy using that 6,000, you would be charged with that uh, 120 rand for the whole purchase. Instead of buying a thousand every month and you end up incurring 120 rand times six, which is more in terms of fees. Then the next question was, uh, whether one can do everything themselves from opening an account to finding out which shares to buy. Usually opening an account, you can do it for yourself, but using platforms like uh, AfriFocus, then their in-house people can usually create it on your behalf. They take your details usually via their website or via email, then they put into their system and allocate you an account. In terms of discovering what to buy, usually that is something that you can do for yourself. Sometimes banks have got accounts whereby they choose for you what to buy. So you just see like they have bought shares in maybe Sasso without telling you because you have given them room to decide for you what to buy. If you want, you can decide for yourself. Then you just pick what you want. Then there are also people like maybe brokers who say we can do the data discovery for you, then let you know this is the best to buy or this is not the good one to buy. Usually they charge fees for that service and usually those fees can be quite a lot and would eat into your profit. So the best would be to say within a community of investors, you have got access to people who can help you or people who have been there who can tell you to say okay, this one you can buy, it's safe, this one you cannot, and all doing it for free at the same time so that you maximize your gains when you're entering the market. So I think that answers those two questions. Thanks, Thanks a lot, uh, Runyan. Just to add on to the 
questions that were asked. So there's one from Dennis. How closely does the JSC follow trends on international markets? If there's a global downturn in equities, what has historically happened on the JSE? So there's that one. Uh, the other questions that would be, I think, uh, pretty much the same around, oh, is it Kongwari? So with an FCA, which bank can one use that over to investment accounts? And I think Tadi responded saying, I use NetBank. So what people should know about the South African financial system is that all the major banks have that component within them. So whether it's FNB, Standard Bank, ABSA, uh, NetBank, and also invest in but I'll stick to the first four, you can pretty much find different, uh, those same or similar services I uh, offered there. Um, and we also have a podcast on the Marie.co.w platform or rather website, which speaks to the FNB non-resident accounts in terms of how they're structured, how to open them and how to navigate that. Um, okay, so, okay, some of the questions have been put there. Okay, so I'll give it to Runya to respond to the one about how closely does the JSE follow trends on international markets? If there's a global downturn in equities, what has historically happened on the JSE? And if there are any other people with questions, you can raise your hands. But for now, Runya, you can go ahead. Okay, thank you. Now, one thing I discovered after some time in the financial markets, now if you can maybe go and do a quick research, and look at the Zambian Stock Exchange, the Ghana Stock Exchange, and maybe the Nigerian Stock Exchange and maybe Malawian Stock Exchange. I just want you to check and see the activities on that on those stock exchanges and how much they move or whether they move at all and after how long. So one thing I discovered was that the stock markets are mostly owned by Americans. So for example, everyone remembers that the JSC was a hive of activity around 2005. And people were actually buying and selling shares and making a lot of money. This was the time when most foreign investors were moving out of Zimbabwe. So there was a brief time where there was a lot of movement in the, in the shares and share prices. So the basic thing to note is that the Americans own maybe 70% of the markets, be it in UK, be it in Asia, be it in Africa. Because they have been in the game for a long time, they probably started maybe, let's say, with a billion dollars. Now they've reached a threshold of trillions. So you can imagine the amount of profits that they have. So because they were growing and more than their own local economy, they started taking profits around the world. They brought some to Zimbabwe, some to South Africa, some to, to maybe countries like China. So if you take note, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, though it's South African, you can see that the foreign component of the people who buy and sell shares there actually runs into maybe more than 100 billion runs every month. 
that's how much money is flowing in from people who are outside of South Africa. So now because the major investor is it's like one person you're looking at an American, if the sentiment in America is such that we need to take our money off shares, it took us to cascade to Asia, then from Asia to Africa, from Africa to Europe. So if you see that, if any time you see the American markets are falling reward, and usually that happens when it's nighttime here and our markets are closed, you can tell that the following day on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, things are going to be sold left, right, and center. That's because it's the same person who is issuing an instruction to say, I need to hold more cash and less of the shares that I have. So when they issue an instruction, it sort of reverberates around the world. So you would find that all the markets do follow the American markets very closely. If they do not follow the American markets, usually it's a market where Americans have long abandoned. So if you look at Zimbabwe and other nations I've mentioned, you realize that they are not doing very well in their stock markets. Actually, if anyone is looking to retire on the ZSE, they're actually like putting money in a bucket with holes because there's no foreign component. So money is not growing as fast as inflation or the exchange rate within the nation. So yes, Americans do influence the market in a great way. Thank you very much, Runya, uh, for that. Uh, there's another question that let me put. Uh, what about SARS? How does the SA system work with regards to capital gains tax on sale of shares and on dividend income? Okay, so it was somewhat a conversation that was happening with uh, Tani, but maybe uh, would you like to comment on that regarding maybe the tax implications? I know with easy equities, if memory says me right, they when you're trading, they already take the tax component so you don't have to sort out the tax affairs in that regard. But uh, would you like to comment on that, Runya, around the tax affairs for, especially for non-resident investors? Okay. So if you are a non-resident, usually your tax is going to be to the country where you ordinarily pay tax. So if, for example, you are in Zimbabwe, it means all your taxes, maybe your, your maybe your age levy, your pays you earn, you all pay that to the Zimbabwe Revenue Authority. So when you come to invest in South Africa, at one point they are going to ask you to say, where is your tax residence? So in other words, they want to know where are they supposed to account for your taxes? So you are supposed to provide them usually with your Zimra reference number. Then they put it on their system such that whatever gains you make in investing, they will not expect you to pay SARS for the tax. There is what they call capital gains tax, which is whereby if you buy something for $10 and you sell it for 20, then they say you have a capital gain of $10, which is the growth that you get. So that growth would now be assessed by the Zimbabwe Revenue Authority as part of your income that you get. The only thing that you will be asked to pay in South Africa is what they call dividend withholding tax. 
So when your shares pay a dividend, they withhold, which is about 20% for the dividend tax that they will now pay to SARS. But if you file your taxes in Zimbabwe, then you would also account for it to say, look, you must reduce my taxes by this 20% that I paid on dividend. Then they will do that. So it's important that you have a tax reference number. If you don't, they might end up having to tax you in South Africa because they are saying you're probably in a place where you're not paying taxes, but you want to gain investments, growth, and then you don't pay tax anyway. So you need to have that reference. Whether Zimra is efficient at uh, charging you tax from your foreign investments, that's another thing altogether but it's some admin that you would need to go through. Yeah. And I think as a, as a last question, which is a follow-up to the issue around the, the text, uh, Derek asked, how does one get the Zimra reference number and at what stage? I believe a Zimra reference number is needed for, for anyone who is working. Let's say you are maybe a doctor in Zimbabwe you should be registered with uh, Zimra because at the end of every financial year, your taxes would need to be assessed whether you overpaid tax or you underpaid, then they say there's a difference. So anyone who is looking to be a serious investor, you should be able to get a tax reference. I believe in Zimbabwe, it should be possible to register on the Zimra website as well. Because in South Africa, it's a process which you can do on the on the SARS website. Okay. Well, thank, thank you very much. And I'm sure with all the different elements and aspects around investing that we've touched on, uh, a number of people here might still have some, some pressing or yeah, burning questions that they might have, which they might not have been able to table today. But uh, as we all know, all good things must come to an end and we have reached that stage. And I firstly would like to just extend our sincere gratitude to Nyararo for availing his time today. And as the Mary Podcast team, we truly appreciate the pearls of wisdom you've given us. And we look forward to becoming part of that pool of people we can be called upon and it's it's always good to know that we have people where we share the same vision of just raising people up we we change the story for our generation and more so for our our nation and our continent and to everyone who has been part of this call we thank you for your time and as you can see on your screens we truly implore you and uh, if it was uh, a church would say, we beseech you, brethren, to consider buying a, a drink for Runya. Uh, those are the details that are there, the EcoCash details and the FNB account number. So from my side, that's all. And I thank you for this time. I want to just hand over to the headmistress, Kudzi, and she will wrap things up for us. I'm still not sure why I'm called the headmistress, uh, and it's quite funny because I am the child of two teachers, but I want to say, Runyalara, we can never thank you enough. I know one hour or one and a half hours is not sufficient to take us through everything. Um, I see a number of people asking for contact details. 
you can be able to follow him. Uh, I do follow him personally on Twitter at Runya Mere. If you go to the Marie Podcast Twitter page, we've been um, tagging him as well. And uh, you can also find him on Facebook. Um, if you are not able to friend him, you can follow. And Runya would kindly ask that perhaps you also tweet out uh, the mobile number, uh, share links for your WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups, uh, also share links from YouTube. We are standing ready to retweet those and also to share them uh, within our, I think for our WhatsApp community of about 15 groups now in total, if I combine Marie Podcast, Marie Groups and the ZSE uh, women who are learning currently, all of them who were not obviously able to get into this call, but we were recording and we will share like uh, Tatenda said. I also want to thank Tatenda very much. Um, I loved it when you spoke about how we can build communities by coming together. I didn't know this man until I met him, uh, you know, seven years ago in graduate school. And we believe that we'll build something powerful together as Mari Podcast. And we are thankful that you've allowed uh, us to host you here um, at literally no cost. I will just uh, reiterate, if you can, please, please do send him something. Just whatever amount you send makes a difference. If a hundred of us send, you know, a dollar each, that's a hundred United States dollars, the men can buy a drink uh, or to borrow his words, he can buy groceries for perhaps a, a week or two or even a month. So, Runyararo, I want to thank you. We can never thank you enough. We really appreciate this. We're looking forward to interacting with you in more platforms. Tatenda, I want to thank you very much also for running this perfectly. And thank you very much to everybody who was able to attend. Please do buy him a drink. And then as we exit, as per our usual tradition, uh, we'll just leave some music running. If you want to uh, chat with other people who are here, no problem. Those that are single, get wives, get husbands. And after all has been said and done, we know that it will end in wealth. So please do continue to follow us on the various Mari podcast platforms on Twitter, on Facebook. We are on uh, Telegram as well at Mari Podcast. WhatsApp yesterday an outage. So join us in the in the Telegram group, even if you don't use it often, it will be useful because it archives some of the content that we share out. So thank you. 